Support for WERU health-related programming comes from the Penobscot Bay Press, committed to providing community news and information, publishing three weekly newspapers, the Weekly Packet, Island Advantages, the Casting Patriot, the annual Bay Community Register, the Summer Seasonal Guide, and more. Also on the web at www.penobscotbaypress.com. It's 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 102.9 Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org. Healthy Options with your host Cynthia Swan is up next. Good morning. Today my guest is Tanya Kibler, and the topic is bioidentical hormone therapy for men and women. Tanya Kibler grew up in the Republic of Panama and later attended Philadelphia College of Pharmacy and Science in Pennsylvania, where she graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Pharmacy. She's practiced in Maine, Germany, Texas, and Colorado, and in many areas of pharmacy, including retail, hospital, long-term care, nursing home consultation, and IV therapy. But it was 10 years ago in Colorado where she got her training in compounding customized prescription medicines to include bioidentical hormones. Tanya found her passion and continued the education to include saliva testing. After returning to Midcoast, Maine, she created a comprehensive hormone consultation program to include saliva testing and compounded bioidentical hormones. She currently works in Belfast for Hannaford, and they support and welcome her being on this program. Tanya schedules appointments on Tuesdays and Wednesdays every week, and in her free time, she enjoys snowboarding and spending time with her three boys. Tanya can be reached at 338-1918 or by email tkibler K-I-B-L-E-R at Hannaford.com. So welcome to Healthy Options, the integrative medicine show. Uh, thanks for being on, Tanya. Thank you for inviting me. Let's, we have so much material I want to cover, and we will do a call-in in the second half of the show and allow people to call in with further questions. But let's start with what are the male and female sex hormones? What are their functions, and why are they important for health? We have three natural estrogens in your body. The first one is estrone, uh, also referred to as E1. And E1 is probably the hormone that's most produced estrogen in menopause. Normally, our estrogens decrease during menopause, and estrone tends to be pretty consistent. It also is considered to be one of the more negative estrogens. It tends to be linked with more issues, more cancers. Um, estrone is not typically used anymore in compounding. Um, it's actually the major component of some commercially available products that uh, women are prescribed for hormone therapy. Uh, estradiol, that's your, your main estrogen. Estradiol is the most important estrogen that you have. It has about 400 functions in the body. Um, 
It stimulates an enzyme which prevents against Alzheimer's disease. It increases your metabolic rate. It helps maintain muscle, improves sleep, uh, dilates small arteries. It decreases blood pressure, helps maintain memory. Um, it enhances energy, improves mood, maintains bone density. Um, and those are just a few of the functions that estrogen has. And estradiol is going to be your main estrogen that takes away the hot flashes and the night sweats and a lot of the common complaints that people hear about. Okay. Your third estrogen is called estriol, and it's most prevalent when a woman is pregnant. Um, it's considered to be a very, a very good estrogen, a very positive estrogen. They've used it in Europe to um, help treat breast cancers, mm. but it also doesn't have those protective effects that estradiol has. So typically it's reserved for something like vaginal dryness or in combination with um, your main estrogen, estradiol, as far as therapy goes. There's progesterone, which is so important and so wonderful, especially for women. Um, progesterone protects your body from estrogen. It's basically the yin-yang of the hormones. So traditionally, when a woman has had a hysterectomy, they don't give her progesterone. They think that... Um, if you don't have a uterine lining, you don't need the progesterone to protect it. But in the bioidentical world, progesterone is there to protect your body, all your cells, even your breast cells, from estrogen. And progesterone is so key for things like um, depression, moodiness, irritability, sleeplessness. So progesterone is one of the most important hormones that you need to keep in balance. Um, the other two are considered... Uh, are androgens, are male hormones, basically, that men and women have. And DHEA, um, DHEA is kind of a youthful type of hormone. I believe it peaks at about nine months of age and starts to decrease at about age 32. So DHEA has a lot to do with complaints of foggy thinking. Um, when women will come to me and they'll say that they feel like they can't concentrate, they can't focus like they used to. Um, has a lot to do with energy. Um, DHEA um, supports the immune system and it also supports the adrenal glands, which is how your body deals with stress and then the effect that that can have on your hormone levels. That will eventually convert into testosterone and testosterone is a really important hormone. Uh, I do a lot of testosterone for women but most of it is for the complaint of low libido. But it's so key for your bones. And all of these hormones have receptor sites throughout your body, so they're just not there to keep certain symptoms away. They're there for your health, your well-being. Now, the male hormones include? Everyone has these hormones. They're okay. just in different proportions. Okay. So obviously, males have more testosterone Correct. than females. Right. And, um, but you know what's interesting is that some females can actually carry higher levels of male hormones. So some women tend to be more estrogen dominant, whereas some women tend to be more androgen dominant. So athletes, for example, women athletes tend to have higher levels of DHEA or testosterone. So when you define estrogen dominance and androgen dominance? So 
estrogen dominance in a woman, and you could see this through saliva testing, would be not necessarily that a woman's estrogen is too high, but that she doesn't have enough progesterone to support the amount of estrogen that her body has. And this is what you were referring to earlier, right, when you said the yin-yang. It's That's like right. about balance. That's right. Okay. So what, let's go on to perimenopause and, and menopause. What's the definition of perimenopause and what's the definition of menopause? Well, perimenopause occurs, it's the time period before menopause sets in. So it's a decrease in hormone levels resulting in irregularity and fluctuations. So many women during this time, they still have their menstruating cycles, but they may be irregular. They may happen twice a month or once every four months. Um, it's also a time because of the fluctuating hormones that a lot of people will experience um, sleeplessness, a lot of PMS-type symptoms, irritability, depression, moodiness. Uh, and some people don't even realize that it's hormonal changes that are taking place. Uh, menopause is when a woman, basically, her when her reproductive cycle ends, and it's it's retroactive. So menopause is technically determined 12 months after the last appearance of a monthly cycle. So when you stop menstruating, that's con for a year. For a year. That's like the, the typical right. definition of menopause. Right. Stop stopping menses. Uh, what about male menopause? Is there really such a thing as male menopause? And if so, what is it? There is such thing as male menopause. Uh, it's referred to now as andropause. Symptoms, unlike those of menopause, tend to come on slowly and gradually over time, unlike some menopausal symptoms that can happen over a short period of time and are pretty drastic. Uh, it's a hormone imbalance, and if left untreated, it can have long-term consequences. So they're really looking now at andropause as something that's very, very important to a man's overall well-being. Um, testosterone has receptor sites on the brain and the heart and throughout the entire body, and it's, it's critical to maintain bone density, lean muscle, red blood cell production. Um, it's important for proper cardiac output and neurological function. So um, is it, is it, if, if, if a man is having cardiac problems, can it in part be linked to uh, low it's, testosterone level? It's something to look at. It's definitely okay. something to look at. Um, you know, I don't deal with any of the cardiac right. part of it when I do the hormones. So when I look at the hormones, I'm looking at the hormones only. Right, specifically that. But right. it, but it does have an imp. But that's part of they're what absolutely linked. Is. Okay, yeah. that it, there's the linkage there. Um, what are the signs and symptoms of hormonal imbalances? And and let's let's look at men first, and then let's okay. take women. In men, uh, physically, they can have. Um, body fat gain, loss of lean muscle, bone loss, hair loss, wrinkling, um, fatigue, low libido, erectile dysfunction. Men can even have hot flashes, um, aches, pains. Um, mentally, they don't sleep well. Anxiety, memory loss, depression, um, and lack of motivation is another um, one that men may not recognize as being hormonal, but perhaps their partner might. Um, and a lot of the symptoms are very similar for women, but more well-known. So hot flashes, night sweats, 
um, the moodiness, irritability, depression, sleeplessness, the foggy thinking, have women who who truly believe that they're in some form of early dementia. Mm. They are so concerned with their inability to multitask like they used to. Um, so they have that really foggy thinking uh, uh, or, or memory loss, actually, beyond foggy thinking. Right. You're talking about where they're actually right. memory loss. Like to, to look at someone that they've known for years and not be able to say their name, you know, it's, it's things like this that can have a lot to do with simply fixing your hormone levels. Um, and, of course, loss of libido is uh, a big complaint that I hear. Mm-hmm. So um, what is bioidentical hormone therapy? So bioidentical hormone therapy is simply replacing your hormone loss with the hormones that you need. So you don't want to replace hormones that you don't need to replace. But when you replace them, you're going to replace them with hormones that are identical or biologically identical to your own body. So underneath the microscope, they would look exactly like your own instead of using something synthetic. Ah, okay. And what wh- what might be the advantage of that, Tanya? Because the body recognizes it as being a part of itself or or is there or is it just apples and oranges? Um in the bioidentical world, it's essential to if you're going to if you want to raise your estradiol levels, you use estradiol okay. to take something into your body that's foreign can result in a lot of different side effects, different effects on your body. If you, why replace, for example, progesterone and progestins. Progestins Mm -hmm. are sometimes interchanged as progesterone, but the two are nothing alike and have very different actions in your body. So the idea behind bioidentical hormone therapy is to replace your hormones with those that your body recognizes. Because it's a match. Right. And recognizable. So who who actually is a candidate for this kind of therapy then? Anyone can be a candidate if your hormone levels are low. And there's, there's an idea that some people use it short term to just control their symptoms. And there's an idea that some people use it for life, preventative medicine, mm-hmm. um, to, to prevent against disease. So it's, it's really, really a personal choice. There are some contraindications, such as perhaps breast cancer or uterine cancer, and all of those kind of contraindications need to be discussed with your doctor. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've actually had breast cancer patients get an okay from their physician or oncologist to go ahead on the hormone therapy. It's all individualized. Interesting. Um, so, so you, so, is there anyone who's not a candidate, or, or you said it's just by checking with uh, your primary care provider in terms of uterine and breast cancer? Right. Okay. Um, so, let's talk about the hormone testing options. Um, there is saliva, which we talked about in the your um, your bio, urine, and blood analysis. So, can you discuss the saliva testing? How, how does that work? Um, saliva works by measuring the amount of free hormones that you have in your body. So it, your, the steroid hormones are in your bloodstream. They're mostly bound to carrier proteins. 
And saliva actually measures the amount of hormone that your body has available to use. So, I mean, I can attest to the urine testing. I know that practices across the U.S. use serum all the time. But, for example, if you were using a progesterone cream, it's most accurately measured by saliva testing uh, okay. um, because of the, the way that it's carried to the target tissues. Um, but they're all good. I think what's important is that you're measuring your hormone levels, the individual hormones, and replace them with the bioidenticals. So let's talk about um, the saliva test. How does it actually work? How, how does one do it? Talk us okay. through a process like if you were to give a, a, a patient mm -hmm. the saliva test kit, what would they do? What would you say to them? So typically somebody comes in for the saliva test kit. Um, we discuss everything. We discuss their symptoms. We go over their history. Um, the saliva test kit that I use, um, which is available at Hannaford, is through ZRT Labs. Uh, and they do have a website. It's www.salivatest.com, and they have a lot of very useful information. And there's other companies that do saliva testing as well. CRT is just the one that I've used over the last 10 years, and I found them to be very reliable. Um, the kit is a kit that you take home, and you do um, pretty much at your convenience. However, if a woman is still having menstrual cycles, she needs to test on a certain day for it to be most accurate. So day one is the day that a woman would typically get her period. She needs to count for 19, 21, or 21 days, and that's the day that she's going to test on. A woman who is menopausal or a man, they can test on any day. Okay. Um, so the kit, you go home. You can do saliva testing to initially measure your hormone levels. You can do it if you were already on a bioidentical hormone therapy and wanted to recheck your levels to make sure that your dosing is good or to make sure that everything is where it's supposed to be. And you can even test if you are on synthetic hormones to find out where your hormone levels are going to be. You just have to test a certain number of hours after taking your last dose. Is there a recommendation, uh, while you bring this up, is there a recommendation for uh, uh, how, how soon, how frequently would you retest? Say someone is on bioidentical mm -hmm. hormone uh, therapy. Would they test it annually or? You know, there's nothing set in stone. I tell people initially when they're first starting, maybe four to six months. Okay. See where you're at. After that, honestly, I find myself that the older that I get, the more in tune I am to my own body. And I hear that a lot, um, especially from women. So if, if you're on a hormone therapy and you feel great, then there's probably no reason really for you to test right away. Um, you'll know when something's off balance. Mm -hmm. And at that point, you think, maybe I should recheck my levels now. So what hormones are being tested for? How do you determine with uh, a, a patient what hormones to test? That, that's part of your intake, right? It is. Um, I, I mean, technically, I guess people should test them all. But I try to help people narrow down what to test, um, not just for cost reasons, but um, to me, it's, it's what makes sense, you know. So certain hormones relate to certain symptoms, um, and you can help narrow that down. So if a woman comes in and she's complaining of lack of sleep, 
irregular periods, moodiness, depression, um, and heart palpitations. And since she's still having periods, I realize that this is probably related to low progesterone since they are all low progesterone symptoms. But like I said, there's a balance between progesterone and estradiol. So I would have her test estradiol and progesterone minimally. If she keeps talking, and the more we discuss things, if she starts talking about that foggy thinking or low libido, then you start to think of other hormones like the DHEA or the testosterone. Which you said DHEA converts into testosterone in the body. It does. Some people have problems converting, um, and people can, if somebody comes back low in DHEA and low in testosterone, um, for example, the lab will recommend, which they don't actually recommend therapies, but you can supplement with DHEA and theoretically get the benefits of both DHEA and testosterone. I find that if libido is a real issue, that it works best to supplement with testosterone directly because not everybody will convert over like that. But you can. You can supplement with DHEA and technically get the benefits of both hormones. And um, if vaginal dryness is an issue? Vaginal dryness is usually related to either estrogen or that imbalance or testosterone. And for um, what about uh, baldness for male or female? Yeah. That's linked with which um, hormone? Yeah. I, I don't have the cure for baldness, but <laughs> there is a... Um, a link with hair loss. So low progesterone levels can lead to uh, hair loss. To okay. Too high of the androgens, the DHEA testosterone can lead to hair loss. And at that point, you have to look at thyroid function too. That has a lot to do with Right, because loss. there's that connection with um, hormone and thyroid hormone as well. Correct. Do you want to speak to that briefly? Yeah. Um, you know, all our hormones, everything, they work in like a giant web, and you need to be in balance. So thyroid is really being looked at right now, and it's not, it's, it's not the topic of today's conversation. Right. But, um, you know, a lot of the symptoms that women experience during menopause are very similar to thyroid symptoms. So I always recommend that someone gets their thyroid checked. Um, so... With thyroid, um, you typically a lot of times a doctor's office will check TSH, which is thyroid stimulating mm -hmm. hormone. Um, there's a lot of practices now throughout the United States along the lines of bioidentical therapy that you check the actual hormone levels of your thyroid. So not just check TSH, which is basically your brain telling your thyroid to make more hormone. You're checking T4. T3. And, and it's free T4. That's right. Free T3. Which is the same thing that saliva does. It's, it's the amount of hormone that your body has actually available for you to use. So you check these free levels, find out what your levels are, and replace it. So people do that all the time with thyroid. You check your levels and you replace it with thyroid. The same idea is with estrogen, progesterone. Check your levels and replace what you need. So with thyroid, sometimes chronically low progesterone levels can lead to thyroid disorder. And a lot of women are diagnosed with thyroid disorder in their 40s. Mm -hmm. um, and there is a link, and they all, you know, work together. So it's important to get your thyroid checked probably annually anyway. 
to get that checked as well. So uh, I want to speak also to um, erectile dysfunction in men. What hormone is specifically related to that? Is that the testosterone? You know, most of the time, the, the problem with men typically when they start, if they get symptoms of andropause, would be either too little testosterone or too much estrogen. Ah, okay. So the testosterone will convert over to the estradiol, and that in men can cause a lot of problems. And I do have, if anyone um, needs referrals or some information on um, treating andropause, um, somebody could call me very easily at work, and I can give them some good information. Yeah. Excellent. So in terms of men's health in uh, hormone replacement therapy, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, and women's health. Is one easier to get that balance than the other? Um, in, in, and I don't mean in general. I'm, I'm really asking you specifically. In your, because I, I don't know if you would feel comfortable speaking for, you know, that whole realm. But in, in your experience as a pharmacist, do you find that women are more complex, men are more complex? I've... I do. I find that, um, in a sense, women are more open. They're more willing to talk about what's wrong. They're mm-hmm. more willing, honestly, to complain and to want to get down to fixing it, mm-hmm. whereas men tend to ignore issues. Um, so contrary to the whole belief that testosterone is kind of a raging hormone, mm-hmm. If a man is low in testosterone, he can feel depressed. We went over some of those symptoms. Right. He can feel unmotivated. He can feel essentially that there's part of his manhood is missing. So by simply replacing the testosterone, you know, women can have back that person that they knew. You know, it can make such a huge difference in a man's life just to give him back that testosterone. Mm-hmm. Whereas women, you can give them estrogen, they could feel good, but maybe they're not feeling quite like they should. So or it's maybe, not optimal. In other words, just to give them one hormone or, you know, to get right. to say, oh, well, estrogen. Women seem to need more of a balance because they seem, honestly, to have more issues going on at, at the same time. Simultaneously. So all right, let's go back to the saliva test itself. Mm-hmm. Let's say you give someone a kit. And you say, okay, you're going to do your testing. What's really involved in it? I mean, they're, they're spitting. Right. <laughs> they're spitting yeah. in a tube, right? Yeah. A lot of people will come into me, and they're expecting a, a swab of their mouth and mm-hmm. um, are quite appalled sometimes that they have to spit. <laughs> the kit you take home, so they give you a vial, and it's probably, um, I don't know, two, three inches tall. And according to the day that you need to collect, um, you're going to collect first thing in the morning with no food, no drink, no brushing your teeth. Like I said, if you are already using hormones, depending on whether they're topical or oral or transdermal, however, you are going to test a certain number of hours after that last dose. And I go over that. It's in the kits for people. So in the morning, um, and I teach people how to avoid contamination too. If you're working with saliva, you need to keep things, um, you know, away from your face and off your hands. So if you are already using, uh, say, progesterone cream, 
that's on your skin, which then transfers to your bed sheets. So the recommendation would be the night before, change your sheets, your pillowcase. They even found that certain anti-aging creams can interfere with the testing. So it's recommended that you not use your cream before bed. Um, and, you know, if, if you're just starting out, you're not on hormones, your partner isn't on any kind of testosterone or anything, you probably don't have to worry about changing your bed sheets. But you want to, when you get up in the morning, wash your hands, be clean, um, because you're going to be touching a tube that's collecting saliva. So you basically just spit in this tube. Um, it does take, I would say, an average of 25 minutes to collect it. There are some people... <laughs> so you're holding this tube, and yeah. you've got to have quite a bit of spittle in there, or it seems that you way. You do. Though. And, you know, you're not drinking water. You can have water by your bed at night. Um, a lot of people do that. Um, in but the winter, you're not allowed to drink when you're doing you the test. You don't drink when you spit, no. Okay. Uh-huh. So you've got to really get that saliva going. You know, and there are some people that that say, oh, I did it in 10 minutes, it was no problem. And there are some people that call me up and say, that took me 40 minutes to yeah. collect. Um, so you want to also think about that when you're collecting. Don't do it if you have to be somewhere. Right, you know, right. have the time available. Right. I would, I, in, on average, I would say 25, 30 minutes to collect the saliva. It's all, they give you um, a prepaid mailing label and it goes second day air and it gets shipped off. Uh, the results come back through a secure website to me. And at that point, um, I would meet with a person again or over the phone, however people want to do it. I tend to be a person that wants to meet with people in person. I think you can get a better feel for what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And at that point, um, you know, we would go over their history, their family history, their saliva test results, and that's the consultation part of it in which, you know, I can help communicate with their doctor, work together to try to come up with um, a bioidentical hormone therapy that's tailored specifically to them. And and now you talked about the different delivery systems earlier, too. You talked about oral, and you talked about topical, and you talked about transdermal. How do you know which is best for mm-hmm. the individual? Um, again, it's up to the individual. Sometimes, say progesterone. Progesterone, if insomnia is a big issue for someone, progesterone seems to work best orally in a capsule. It gets to certain receptors in the brain, and progesterone capsules are are typically what is used if that is a major issue. Um, The creams, progesterone creams, seem to work best for people with more of the emotional symptoms, the anxieties. Um, But creams are typically dosed twice a day, so you also have to think... Am I going to be compliant with that? Um, I would have a hard time remembering to use something twice a day. So people have to think of that. Some people don't want the invasiveness or of taking a pill. So topical would be more of a choice for them. Um, again, it's all tailored to the individual. So if somebody smokes, you know, technically smoking is contraindicated with any hormone therapy, no matter what you choose. But if you're going to smoke and do hormone therapy, estrogen through the skin is the best way to go. To do it transdermally mm-hmm. then. And hormones are so greatly absorbed through the skin, that's kind of the direction that bioidentical hormone therapy is taking is through the skin. Um, 
But again, it, it needs to be tailored to the individual so that they're going to remember them. They're going to use them. They're going to benefit from them. Right. We're going to stop here and take a brief break. And then we will come back and continue our discussion on bioidentical hormone therapy with pharmacist Tanya Kibler. And um, we'll also be taking phone calls then. This is Cynthia Swan with Healthy Options, and my guest is Tanya Kibler, Hannaford pharmacist in Belfast, and we're having a discussion about bioidentical hormone therapy. If you'd like to call in with uh, a question for our guest uh, for discussion, please call in at 1-866-625-9378. And again, it's 866-625-9378. Seven eight. It seems we do have a caller, and uh, welcome caller. If you'd like, you can give us your first name and the town you're from and go right into your question. Uh, hi, sure. My name is Laurie, and I'm calling from Stonington. And um, as it happens, I've just been reading John Lee's book, which perhaps um, mm-hmm. your guest is familiar mm-hmm. with. And um, so I have a couple questions. One is that, well, John Lee... Sort of, um, his book suggests that progesterone is good for almost everything, <laughs> including um, preventing breast cancer. And um, I just wonder, I'm sorry, I didn't catch your name, your, your guest's name. Tanya, Tanya Kibler. So, Tanya, you want to address that specifically? Yeah, I, I know him well. He's well known throughout uh, the bioidentical world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think the consensus is that progesterone is probably one of the most important hormones that we have, and it is so good for women. I think I said that probably first thing in this show, is that progesterone can do so much for women. And um, what's your name again, Lori? Lori, yes. So if, if you're in a perimenopausal stage, progesterone is probably... A, a good answer for you if you're experiencing symptoms? Um. Well, my, I guess my concern here is um, my mother had 35 years of the horse pee estrogens uh, as a replacement, and, mm-hmm. and she ended up with breast cancer. Um, and so I've been to physicians who don't seem to know anything about bioidentical hormones mm-hmm. and look at me rather skeptically about the whole thing, mm-hmm. and sort of scared me. Um, but then I read, you know, Doc John Lee's book, and he kind of, uh, is, he, I think he would say that the, the hormone replacement that my mother received probably contributed to her cancer mm-hmm. um, rather than, any, you know. Right. Um, 
you know, I'm not going to... But that it had she received natural progesterone that she might never have gotten cancer. And I don't know if he's correct or not. And I, I you know, physicians, as I said, seem uh, sort of ignorant about this. Mm-hmm. Um, he also seems to indicate that progesterone might um, very well help women avoid osteoporosis. And that's probably another thing that I need to worry about with my particular mm-hmm. bone structure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, Tanya, you alluded to that also earlier about progesterone in terms of bone helping with bone density. Absolutely. You know, all the hormones can. You can actually build bone just by keeping your hormone levels in a good position and include lightweight weightlifting, and you can actually build your bone, which is an amazing thing. And progesterone, um, like I said earlier, it protects your body from estrogen. You can't have estrogen without progesterone. They mm-hmm. they need each other. So, and you can't compare synthetic hormones to your body's own natural hormones. Mm-hmm. It's apples hormones, and oranges, right? I mean, progesterone, Lori, is circulating in your body right now. It's not it's not an enemy to you right, right now. It's right. not causing you cancer. Um, progesterone's there to protect you. It's, um, they the theory is is that. When hormone levels decrease, then disease and aging sets in. And right. think of how many, you know, when are we our healthiest? We're our healthiest during childbearing years. We're mm-hmm. our healthiest when our hormones are in full complement. And the other thing that I've just been hearing about lately is is how the pharmaceutical companies sort of conspired to get women on, I think it's Fosamax. Okay, I have to, I have to, I'm going to, this is a really excellent comment, but it's beyond the scope of what I want the show to discuss. But this is something good for a future show uh, when we actually um, have a discussion uh, along those lines. But if we spend time talking about that, Lori, my only concern is we don't address fully uh, the, uh, the topic of bioidentical hormone replacement therapy because we're getting into almost, I think, that realm of politics and information. And I want to forego that for a whole nother show. <laughs> right. Well, I'm, I was just trying to point out that progesterone might be the answer, not other things. But I'll get off and let someone else call. Thank you so much. We have another caller. And if you'd like to give us your name and the town you're from and address your question to Tanya... Sure. Hi, this is Dr. Jane Robertson. Hi, Hi. Dr. Robertson. Hi, I'm from (laughs) Belfast. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you're doing this show today. I just had a patient that asked me a question uh, the other day. She is a breast cancer survivor, and I was talking to her about bioidentical. Her oncologist recommended no hormones. Could she do bioidentical? You know, that's not a question that I can answer. There's, There's... different types of cancers. There's different, um, you know, some of them may even feed off of estrogen. Um, like I said, I've had, um, I've had actual patients who have had breast cancer themselves, and they were given the go-ahead to go on bioidentical hormone therapy. And if people um, read books like, and it may sound strange to some people, but Suzanne Summers' books. Yes. Okay. Those are excellent she has done yes. so much She's research. She's done a lot of research. She's lived it. She has pretty much dedicated a lot of her life to this. And she had breast cancer. Right. And her doctors, which you can get all this information through her books, 
the doctors that she went to were telling her in the beginning, no, you have to stop your hormones. She didn't want to do it. She truly believed that they were keeping her alive, that they were protecting Protecting her. her. And through all kinds of research, um, she found doctors who thought along these lines and who have done so much research and so much study, and they kept her on her hormones, you know? So it just depends on the individual, and that's not, I I can't get involved with them. Yeah, I think this, yeah, this is where our discussion goes, where it's really about your team of providers. And this is, I think, what what our first mm. caller, Laura from Stonington, or Laura was was in in a sense referring to too. It's it's your provider team and those relationships and that information that's so imperative. And the breast cancer issue is is a little more complicated than the average person coming in. Okay. Know? Well, she definitely has some symptoms of hormone imbalance, so. I'm probably still going to urge her to call you. Yeah, you know, <laughs> there's there's nothing there. that says, um, as far as I know, that she can't use something like progesterone. Okay. And a lot of times, progesterone alone can help with symptoms. Okay. So, Tanya, would she be at least a candidate for saliva testing to look oh, at absolutely. what that baseline is? There's, okay. You know, anyone can saliva test just for the basic knowledge of knowing where your levels are. Down the road, if you want to compare or do something with it, you can. Um, But there's nothing to rule out saying that she can't use the bioidentical hormones from what I gather, but I know so little of her history that it's really hard to determine. Right, and I can figure that out through the type of cancer and why her doctors are saying that. But I'm going to urge you to do it. Well, thank you so much. Oh, it's nice hearing from you. You too. Bye-bye, Thank you, Dr. Robertson. so let's let's go on to um, we had talked about um, the bioidentical therapy in the sense of if you were to use that just alone, do you feel Tanya that that can help with physical, mental, and emotional challenges of menopause? Just just bioidentical alone? You know, initially my reaction would be to say yes because they can help with all the physical, the mental, and the emotional challenges. Um, I see it every day. But in another sense, you know, it takes a village. Um, I believe that, you know, you have to have a healthy diet. You have to manage your stress. You know, some people may want to incorporate massage or acupuncture in part of their well-being during menopause. You know, there's a lot of different things that go on, and I think um, a combination sometimes. Um, so you think it's, it's more complex than just saying, okay, here are the bioidentical hormones, we're balancing that, and now you're going to be fine. Right. I mean, it's not, it's not a cure-all. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no way that it's the answer for everyone. But, you know, like your show, it's, a, it's an option, and it's a healthy option. And I think in combination with a healthy lifestyle, um, people can really benefit from it. So um, <clears throat> when you're when you're uh, consulting with uh, your clients and you're taking them through this process of determining which hormones to test for and whatnot, after that comes back, typically, what's your interaction with the physician or their primary care provider? Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that. How does that work with mm-hmm. some of the, the um, uh, allopathic practitioners that you're working with now? You know, it's um. Most most practitioners are open to it. They they may not be like you know Lori's physician overly familiar with it, um, but.
but they're open to it. Most physicians want to help their patients. Most physicians want to um, to look into what their patients are requesting. So most people don't have a problem with learning, with letting somebody try. Um, a lot of physicians may feel comfortable letting somebody try the hormones, see if it helps them, explain the benefits, explain the risk to them, and maybe do a follow-up with saliva testing or lab work to show results. Um, I work really closely with a lot of physicians in the area, and uh, it did it did take quite a few years um, to kind of to kind of get in there to explain it all to to open up the bioidentical world to physicians who perhaps don't really get to see it all the time. Right. Well, I would think it's different too in that sense. You know, uh, uh, pharmacology is part of a medical uh, doctor's training, but you know, pharmacology that you're, you're the that's what you do. That that's like you know that's it. Right. So you would have access to um, that. It's, we have another caller. We have a couple callers. So let's go ahead and bring on our caller. And if you'd like to give us your name and the town you're from and address your question to Tanya. Hello. Hello. Hi, it's Dr. Peabody. Hi, Tanya. Hi. Hey, Dr. Peabody. Welcome. Hi. Hi. I uh, just wanted to uh, call in, and Tanya, I, it, what I've heard in between patients, you sound terrific. So. <laughs> Tanya and I have been working together for probably, what, six years mm-hmm. um, doing bioidentical hormones. So I'm one of the physicians in the area that uh, prescribes bioidentical hormones and have had a wonderful relationship with Tanya, and I have a lot of patients on bioidentical. So um, I want to thank Tanya for doing this, for supporting the community, and for Hannaford for supporting the community, because it's a huge and wonderful resource for our patients here. So thank you. Tanya, thank you. Thank Thank you you very much, Dr. Peabody. Okay. And we have another caller. and if you'd like to give us your name and where you're from and address your question or comment to Tanya Kibler. Uh, Sydney from Dover Foxcroft. Uh, two uh, topics I'd like to uh, go in for uh, men's health here. Number one, uh, if you'd comment on the use of the herb tribulus uh, to uh, uh, change uh, hormones. And number two, the uh, leaching of plasticizers into the body uh, acting as um, estrogen mimics. I'm thinking of uh, all the joint replacements that are going on and very especially surgical mesh, which is permanently implanted in the body. And, you know, for somebody that doesn't even put their water in a plastic jug, I'm now married to it. Thank you very much. Okay, I think, wait, stay on there, because I think you're talking a little bit beyond the scope of what um, we're here to discuss, but I don't even, I've never even heard of tribulus. I've never heard of it. So why don't you um, give us a little bit of information? What is tribulus? You said it's an herb. What? It's an herb, and if you have had your your organs that produce the testosterone damaged by whatever, um, it causes the pituitary, I believe, to excrete something like DHEA or something similar to that that in your body uh, does about the same thing as the testosterone would do. Fascinating. I, I'm going to have to do a little research on that. We'll yeah. both I will. tried some, and I thought I used, to, I used to think I knew what a hot flash was. Let me tell you. <laughs> I, and now I know what, it, what, you, what women are talking about <laughs> when they say hot flashes. Really? As a result from, you mean you, exp- you, you took this herb yourself? Yes. And what was your, exp- your personal experience with it then? You, you experience um, hot flash? 
Oh, oh yeah, the first time. Oh, absolutely. Well, it was a hot day, but <laughs> it, it's not, nothing like that. I didn't. I didn't quite know what what to make of it. Do you know where it's harvested? Where it comes from? No, no. Okay. And I'm trying to get some more. <laughs> okay. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Okay. And then you had another. Uh, give me the second comment again. You were asking uh, about. Um, the, there are plasticizers. They're talking about the two major ones, but apparently almost all plastics have these uh, slowly soluble uh, um, um, chemicals in them that in the body, just like pesticides, act like uh, mostly estrogen. Mm, yeah, I know. Um, estrogen mimics? I don't, I, don't, I don't know those details um, specifically, like perhaps the caller does. But, yes, they're saying um, that women are going into perimenopause mm-hmm. even sooner mm-hmm. than ever noticed before. And they're thinking it's environmentally related to plastics and such things. Uh, yeah, I think I've also read a little bit about that, too, about, like, a, a estrogen dominance. Mm-hmm. And, and, You're and, right. Um, because of what's leaching out mm. of these uh, plastics environmentally. Is that what you were referring to? Well, it's it's... It is in such a vogue, uh, starting to die out, I hope, uh, in use in surgery. I mean, they don't even use plastic heart valves anymore. They give you something from a pig or something else now because, because, because of this. And uh, moving in, into, you know, mesh for, for both sexes, uh, without going mm. through all the testing, you, you know, it, it's going to leach out. So you've got to have something to counteract it. Yeah, very interesting. Thanks yeah. for, for bringing Thank that you. to our attention. Thanks for calling. Probably along the same lines of you know, the fillings and the chelation that's going on with those now. Oh, amalgam yeah. fillings. Yes, we had that. Uh, we had a discussion on that on the show. Um, we Let's let's talk about, um, I want to talk about you. We don't have a lot of time, and I want to ask you personally, if you don't mind, um, as um, what made you decide that you wanted to become a pharmacist? You know, a, a lot of people ask that. Um, I never really wanted to become a pharmacist. (laughs) What happened was I grew up in the Republic of Panama. My dad was a pilot on the canal. And um, I loved math. I loved science. And they had um, my senior year, like a work-study program. And I said, wherever you put me, just make sure it's in the hospital. And they put me in the pharmacy. And that's kind of just where it all started. Interesting. So as a result of being in the hospital, you decided that that was the route, the road you were going to go because you were right there? And right. And, you know, we were kind of somewhat limited down there, um, access to everything that you would in the state. So it just happened that the man that I um, was working with, the pharmacist, he went to the same college and suggested that to me. And Interesting. So it kind of you just kind of fell into it. He ended up mentoring you then. Right. We have another caller. And um, welcome, caller, if you want to give us your name and the town you're from. And This is Lorraine calling from Surrey. Hi, Lorraine. Hi. Um, I was an OBGYN nurse for over 20 years. And um, <clears throat> working at Eastern Maine Medical Center, became very, very interested in what was in those days called PMS. Mm-hmm. Um, was flown out, stay, out of state by the hospital to go to seminars and try to learn what was available at that time for women. And it was next to nothing. Hand-holding was about all we could mm-hmm. offer. Um, Progesterone came on the scene, but traditional OBGYNs really were not into it. Uh, there was 
the general feeling in the health community that what we then call PMS, which is obviously now perimenopause, uh, was a mental issue, and um, it was... You're saying a mental health issue. A mental health issue um, that uh, certain women had. Um, I personally stopped periods at age 45, and I would say the years from 35 to there were terrible for me, which is why I got into trying to help others. Um, I am so thrilled and delighted to hear of what you're doing and what is available now and to hear these marvelous female physicians calling you and working with you and supporting you. Um, This is revolutionary. This is what has been needed. And um, I guess my question would be uh, financially. What do people do to finance this? Um, you know, in a time where money is so tight, are insurance companies backing? Mm-hmm. Good, uh, good question. Very good, good question. question. Yep. Um, first, I want to thank you for your call. Um, it's it's nice to hear comments like that. It's nice to hear it from someone who is in the field. I mean, I see it all the time where women come in with real symptoms perimenopausal, menopausal symptoms, and I have literally heard some horrible things thrown back at them. Um, And a lot of times women are given antidepressants, anti-anxiety meds, sleep meds are so common um, when they really want to get to the root of the problem and they really want to treat their symptoms hormonally instead of what they would think of as a Band-Aid. And it's not that these medicines aren't important and don't work for a lot of people, but they're not for everyone. Um, So thank you. But uh, financially, you know, the saliva kit, depending on the number of hormones that you test, um, which typically is between two to four hormones, would be between $75 and $135. Um, and that would be out of pocket, right? Out of pocket. If okay. someone has Medicare, then that can be um, billed to Medicare, and typically Medicare will cover it. You know, it's all the same guidelines that Medicare has, which are a lot of details. Um, <laughs> I don't mind helping people build the saliva kits to their insurance, you know. I can provide you with all the codes necessary that the insurance company will need to recognize the individual hormones and the fact that it's saliva testing. And I have gotten some people to cover them. Um, but most people find the the benefit of it worth the money because um, blood testing, if you don't have coverage, can cost about $800, yes. whereas the saliva would be, you know, $100, $120. Yes. Um, the hormones themselves, um, you know, if you were paying cash, and it all depends on what a person's on, so it's hard for me to generalize it, but maybe... So these are ballpark figures Ballpark figures. For. I'm just... I understand. Yep. Uh, maybe $38 for a month. Um, there are some things that may, like a testosterone cream that may last a few months and be about $36 for coverage of two, three months. Um, and at Hannaford, I, you know... Some compounding places don't even accept insurance, but at Hannaford, we bill to your insurance company just like any other prescription medicine. So if your insurance company covers it, then you pay whatever copay or percentage or it applies to your deductible, whatever your plan works. But they do get submitted to insurances. 
And I would say that probably 80% of the companies that I submit claims to accept the claim. That's outstanding. I think that's something that people will be very happy to hear. Mm. Um, and I, I didn't turn in, tune in at the beginning of the show, so and I don't mean to tie you up, but quickly, are you uh, able yourself, based on the saliva testing, to prescribe, or do you recommend physicians who are prescribing uh, in, your, in the area? What I do is make recommendations. So I work with the person that comes in. We get the saliva testing done. Um, we go through a full history. And we go through the patient's needs and concerns. And at that point, I communicate with their physician. I, I don't have to use, say, for example, Dr. Peabody, who called in. Yes. Who, um, you know, her practice is, is large, and people love her, and she's fantastic. But she can't take on everybody in the state. Of course. Um, so, you know, I work with your physician, um, I write up a letter of recommendation. I open it up for discussion. Um, you know, a physician can call at any time to get information. Um, but I work directly with that patient's physician or nurse practitioner um, or naturopath, whoever they use. It's all about an open mindset. And what I found when I was trying to make a difference uh, was closed minds. I'm sorry. We're, I am so sorry. We're going to have to leave it there. We could really continue on this discussion. Thank you so much for your phone call. Uh, thank you, Tanya Kibler, uh, for taking the time out of your busy life and, and, uh, and also personal and work life. And thank you to Hannaford for also, uh, you know, supporting you and coming up here to WERU's Healthy Options for our talk on bioidentical uh, hormone replacement therapy. This will be um, in our archives, this show, so you can listen to it at a later date. And also uh, Tanya's information to call 338-1918 or email tkibler, K-I-B-L-E-R, at hannaford.com. And uh, once again, this is Cynthia Swan uh, on Healthy Options. And thank you for joining us today. And thank you, Tanya. Support for WERU comes from Inner Tapestry, a holistic